0: The key to any business B2C, but definitely any subscription business, is to crush top of funnel, drive maximum awareness of your product, and then provide a great free product experience and then deliver far more value than whatever the cost of a subscription is. And that's really what we've been hyper focused on.
1: Hey, this is Jesse here, and you're about to hear my discussion with Sam Factor from Walter Pix, which is a next generation fantasy insights app. Sam shared a lot of interesting details about his business including how Walter Picks is leveraging artificial intelligence to deliver unique fantasy sports insights, the content strategy his team has used to reach over 20,000 paid subscribers, and reaching the milestone of profitability with less than $1 million raised. I had a great time chatting with Sam and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. But before we get started, I know it's the middle of the summer still, but I wanted to send out a save the date. The much-anticipated iGaming Next New York event returns March 6th and 7th, 2024 in a new state-of-the-art venue in Manhattan's Financial District with over 1,000 senior delegates expected to attend. The summit's focused on connecting startups with investors and operators with suppliers, which makes it THE conference where serious business gets done. Limited tickets are available at super early bird rates starting on August 1st, which you'll find at www.igamingnext.com. And by the way, the conference sold out each of the last two years. So get your tickets ASAP and I'll see you there. All right, we are back on the Betting Startups podcast. We're up to episode number 76. And for this one, I'm joined by Sam from Walter Picks. Sam, last week I talked to you, you were in Colorado today. You're back on the East Coast in Massachusetts. So you're bouncing around a lot, getting ready for what is going to be a pretty busy NFL season coming up for you and a lot of other companies in the space. But I guess to check in uh, the starting line here today, how's everything going on your end?
0: Yeah, Jesse, thanks for having me on. Things are going great. Really stoked for the fantasy season. I've been, I think I said this last time, grinding through the best ball drafts myself. uh, And I just can't wait for preseason to start and for the season to get going.
1: Right on. Well, it's definitely crunch time for anybody building in the space right now. I had a look before we started recording here. I think we're down to like 43 or 44 days till NFL kicks off from this point. So I'm not trying to induce any unnecessary stress on anybody, but. That's where we're at. Really excited, though, to talk about um, what you and your team are working on at Walter Picks today. You know, obviously, with AI being sort of in the forefront of a lot of headlines right now, uh, it's very topical with what you and the team are working on. But before we get there, let's talk a little bit about yourself. It'd be great if you could take a couple minutes up front here and introduce yourself and maybe give folks listening a bit of a sense of your background and some of the major stops on your way to, uh, to founding Walter Picks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I've been really obsessed with fantasy football since about the third grade, if we could go all the way back that far. Uh that uh, was the first fantasy league I was in and still is a league I'm in today with many of my best friends uh, that I grew up with. That really is where my passion for fantasy in the nFL began. Um, I found a passion for math and content creation, kind of fused in with fantasy when I was in college. I was a writer for a few different sites, starting as early as my freshman year of college. I eventually landed a paid writing job at Number Fire. I think that was around my senior year of college right after i Graduated college. Uh, I was actually a high school math teacher for two years following graduating, and started Walter Picks actually my second year of teaching. I was part-time CEO, full-time uh, high school math teacher, and grew Walter Picks large enough to go full-time and, and really pursue it uh, with with everything that I have. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about my journey of my love for fantasy, becoming a content creator, and fusing kind of a bunch of my different passions: content creation, fantasy football, and math, kind of all into this company, Walter Picks, which I founded uh, just a few years ago.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Interestingly, you're actually the second guest, I think, out of uh, 76 now, uh, that started a career as a uh, school math teacher and basically switched into entrepreneurship and using that math to do something in and around the betting ecosystem. So let's drill down a little bit, I guess. I want to talk a bit more just about the origins of Walter Picks. I mean, you gave us a bit of a sense of your background from a fantasy perspective, and and obviously sort of your affinity for numbers. But give us a sense of like, what, what were the origins of it? Where were you at at that time? And kind of how did it all come together at the very beginning?
0: Yeah, so my co-founder and I, uh, Dylan, who's a full-stack uh, engineer, so I, I come from a math background. I don't do very much coding myself. Uh, Dylan is a fantastic coder, so we made a really good team uh, from the start. Uh, and we together built Walter, which is the name of our AI player projections model. Fuses together a bunch of different machine learning models. Uh, starting with linear regression, but we've expanded into random forest models and neural network models as well. And we'll get into, I think, a little bit more of the AI stuff later on. I can really geek out on some of that stuff. Uh, but we, we started that together back in 2020. And then, after seeing how well our model Walter performed in its first active season, it motivated us to turn Walter into a real business and a real product. And ultimately, I wanted a product like this myself to win my leagues. And I wanted one, I wanted a product that was analytical and range of outcomes based rather than a rankings list or a compilation of subjective expert rankings uh, that were out there in the market uh, at the time. So I built it uh, and I shared it with the world.
1: Here we are. Um, Let's take a bit of a deeper dive now, I guess, into into Walter, the AI and and Walter Picks. So, you know, as you just sort of talked about, it's obviously, um, you know, for for projections, for fantasy. But I guess just to maybe give us the high concept overview, can you give us a sense as to, you know, what does it do? Who uses it? And just what's the overall value prop to those users?
0: Yeah, definitely. So Walter Picks leverages Walter, who we've already mentioned. which is a- Walter's an AI player projections model, which are powered by millions of advanced historical player stats, available player prop and betting lines to help fantasy managers with every decision they have to make from draft day to championship day. So the Walter Picks app has a draft tool with insights updating live with each pick throughout your draft, custom to your league settings and situation. Also a start sit tool to help you compare range of outcome, boom and bust probabilities to make optimal start sit decisions each week. And our trade analyzer helps ensure that you never get fleeced in a trade. And our trade values in the analyzer are actually also not only powered by Walter's rest of season projections, but also are powered by thousands of real trades from our users that have happened recently in leagues that are similar settings to yours. So on top of that, we also have waiver recommendations in our app. So we we really, our app helps with every decision from draft day to championship day. And, and it's really designed to help people make their own best decisions. So it's giving you the best possible information you need to make your own best decision. Because at the end of the day, making your own decisions in fantasy is the fun part. Obviously, of course, winning is really fun too. But we designed our product in a way that doesn't just give you the answer to the test. It gives you the information you need to make your own answer for your fantasy leagues.
1: Awesome. And I guess the product, it's subscription based. So I understand that's sort of your sole revenue stream. And I'm curious um, if you could talk a little bit about, I guess, just how you think about the overall TAM uh, or the overall market size of people that are willing to pay for this type of content. And, um, you know, obviously the the landscape is, is fairly robust right now in terms of tools that are in service of helping people either with fantasy or betting. And I guess, yeah, as you you take a step back and and look at that landscape, how do you sort of think about the the opportunity that you're pursuing with Walter Picks?
0: Yeah. And it's worth mentioning too, actually the vast majority of these tools and features that I was just mentioning are free. Uh, And the premium subscription really unlocks the most premium insights, which are mostly the personalized insights, custom to your league settings and your specific team situation. And some of those like really premium range of outcome projections are also premium, but This is a really, really large market. There's nearly 70 million fantasy players in the US and Canada. Uh, There's been some recent FSGA research that over half of these players are currently already spending on insights and advice each year. And then if you add in the sports betting market, which we'll be expanding to over the next few years, there's tremendous overlap with the fantasy market. You're looking at around 70% of fantasy players are also betting on sports. So if you combine these two markets of people already spending on insights and advice for fantasy and betting, you're at like 50 to 60 million people that are currently spending approximately 2.5 billion dollars each year and that's just right now each of these markets are also growing pretty fast about approximately 15% year over year according to some FSGA research uh, and we just hit last year 20,000 renewing paying subscribers so we're really just scratching the surface really of the total addressable market
1: well, congratulations, I mean, 20,000 paying subscribers is is no joke, Um, and particularly only after a couple of years, I guess, of really having the product live and in market. I guess just talking about that then, Sam, you know, I, I want to talk to you quite a bit today, actually, about some of the tactics on the marketing side you're using yeah. to, I, I guess, you know, get the brand and product out there, but then also convert some of that audience into subscribers. Um And when we had our prep call last week, I mean, you shed a bit of light on it and it's it's really compelling stuff. So I'm wondering if you can tell the audience a little bit about the content strategy that you're uh, utilizing at Walter Picks and give folks listening a sense of just sort of how that strategy, I guess, is working from a user acquisition perspective.
0: Yeah, definitely. So our, our creator first social media strategy has definitely been a key differentiator for us. And what we've done is we brought on 32 short form video content creators, one for each NFL team, And they create short form videos for us on our TikTok and Instagram channels. And this has been tremendously successful. We've created over 15,000 videos as a team over the last two years, growing our follower base over 1 million and reaching over 1 billion impressions uh, across all of our channels. And this is just in the last couple of years. And we started this strategy on TikTok, uh, but we're also now starting to see similar traction on other short form video platforms like Instagram. And I think really too many startups and larger companies also, especially in the B2C space, overlook the importance of a good top of funnel strategy. The key to any business B2C, but definitely any subscription business is to crush top of funnel, drive maximum awareness of your product, and then provide a great free product experience and then deliver far more value than whatever the cost of a subscription is. And that's really what we've been hyper-focused on. But yeah, our, our creator team has really been crushing top of funnel for us for the past two years. And it's really starting to compound And now that we're growing a, a big follower base.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I want to stay, stay there for a second here. I mean, I talked to a lot of teams and companies in the space that are trying to quote unquote, like figure out their content strategy. And I guess, you know, looking at everything you and your team are doing, you talk about sort of this creator network of 32 creators, each sort of owning content for a specific NFL team. Like, What goes into standing up, I guess, um, you know, a process like that and I guess recruiting 32 people and and sort of managing them and giving them the autonomy to do their thing on the content side, but I guess giving them sort of parameters or guidelines to work within. Like, can you just shed a bit of light, I guess, on what goes into managing a network of of external contributors like that?
0: Yeah, really, it really is so much fun, especially for me as, you know, coming from the content creation background. One of my favorite parts of my, my job is getting to work with uh people that are just starting out in their their content creator journey or people that are far along and trying to figure out how they can take another step forward there really is a lot that goes into it as you you just mentioned at the end of the day though it's about finding creative talented and motivated creators and then working with them to improve them to help them improve and become the best versions of themselves as creators uh, and as people that are building a community and we really focus on giving creators a lot of autonomy, and, and we really think it's a game, a volume game. Uh, we, I said we posted over 15,000 videos over the last couple of years. I'm really proud of that number because I know how much work went in from, from every individual creator all the way up to the team that, that led all the interviews and, and actually hiring these creators. Um, but 15,000 videos is 15,000 pieces of content to learn from and moving forward. Uh, so we're able to learn so quickly because we're turning out so much content. Uh, but also, like we really have a shots on goal mentality as a creator team, and I think volume is the end all be all for all content. Obviously, quality of course matters too. If you push fifteen thousand terrible videos, they're not going to go anywhere. So there is definitely a balance to strike there. But as long as you can get a good enough quality of video, the the volume is definitely uh, super important. So that's a little bit of what's gone into it in terms of finding thirty two creators. That was definitely hardest at the very beginning because we had to fill all thirty two accounts from scratch, and we mostly sourced these creators through our own social channels and and through our our existing network and my existing network as a creator um, and from there it's been much easier to fill these positions we have hundreds and hundreds of people apply to, to the open positions now which we usually have like five to ten open creator positions at the end of each season um, so it's been yeah tremendously successful it's, it's really been so much fun and um, i'm really excited to see where, where it continues to go from here
1: right on and i guess this final point on on the content creation side of things Again, for for people listening that might be trying to develop their own content strategy, I guess, as you look across the landscape right now, the different platforms and, and, you know, products that are out there as options to distribute your content, obviously, you know, resource constraints become a real thing and you can't necessarily produce content across every platform. And certainly for Walter Picks, it sounds like you guys have found success with TikTok. For people that, again, are trying to sort of develop their own strategy right now. What would you suggest to them to kind of just go from zero to one and get started, right? I mean, obviously you can't do everything at once from the very beginning. Like, what would you sort of say is like a sensible way to develop a a content strategy for a business?
0: Yeah, I'd say really, I would say test everything and then focus on what you're best at and really focus on that almost entirely. And that's almost exactly what we did. I think I was telling you the last time we spoke Right. we, I was in charge of, of growing our social channels from scratch. And we started on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, And we started even writing some blog posts and we were growing really slowly. And then eventually when we stumbled upon short form video and tried that, it was really clear that this was a strength for us. And basically for the last two years, we've been only focused on that since then. And I think that's a really good framework for all all content creation companies and and even individual creators. Focus on what you're best at. There's probably going to be a bigger ROI. And small improvements at what you're best at than big improvements at what you are really struggling in. And there's there's so much saturation in terms of sports content out there that if you're spending all your time focused on your weakness, it, it might take a really, really long time to see any traction. And then the other thing I would say is just focus on like small iteration, iterative improvements over time. Nobody is a great content creator when they first start creating content. And that's just a fact for all content creators. Um, so having a mindset of, focusing on shots on goal and improving over time is definitely really key.
1: Right on. You talked a little bit about Walter Pick's Origins as a season-long fantasy projection product, but you also have alluded to the fact that betting is on the roadmap as well for for moving forward. And I guess, you know, from your position right now, how are you thinking about, I guess, extending the product functionality and appeal from just season-long fantasy to betting? And I guess, what does that look like for you and the team in terms of supporting that vertical as well?
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, The significant overlap that I already alluded to between the fantasy audience and a sports betting audience makes extending our product functionality into sports betting like really seamless and, and almost like uh, too obvious not to do. Um, we've already seen significant or- organic interest in just our, our first MVP launch of our sports betting insights offering. And really our goal of the sports betting insights is, is the same as the fantasy insights. We want to help you with every decision you have to make along your sports betting decision journey, whether that be where where can i get the best lines or what is the best bet i can make today or finding the information you want to make your own insights for betting we're working on tools to help with every decision you have to make throughout your whole sports betting process uh, and i know myself as a sports bettor and i also know our user base of sports bettors they're excited for the next iteration of our betting insights which will be a step further of just kind of here's our projections and here's where the betting lines are at kind of do with that information what you will that was really our mvp launch of our sports betting insights but we're really going to be leveraging a lot of the same principles that have brought us success on the fantasy insight side of leveraging AI-powered range of outcome insights that will help sports bettors ultimately make their own best decision and help them either win more or, for a lot of people, lose less.
1: I want to ask a little bit about the business um, as it exists today. As you described here, it's a B2C business and you're selling subscription-based access to it. But, you know, other companies in this space are also doing interesting things with AI technology right now to develop data-driven insights. And- Apply that content to different use cases across the ecosystem, and a lot of those companies have chosen to go B two B. So I'm just curious, Sam. You know, how do you think about that? And I guess do you see any opportunity in the B two B space for Walter Picks?
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting question. uh, Because to answer that last part, there definitely is opportunity for Walter Picks in the B two B market. To answer the first part of the question, we likely will not be exploring those opportunities for at least several more years. And we we just see so much opportunity for growth in the B two C vertical where we haven't seen. A ton of innovation over the last five to 10 years there's not a lot of great mobile products out there and so we're really hyper focused on building the most powerful and mobile first fantasy embedding inside platform and our mission from the start has been to provide value to the fantasy manager and sports better so we want to be careful not to divert focus and energy away from that mission by going the b2b route because sometimes if you spread your focus on too many things especially as an early stage startup you end up actually focusing on nothing uh, so we would rather do a few things really well than do try to do a lot of things just okay, which is why we're staying really focused on the B2C market, even though we know there are B2B opportunities out there.
1: Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Um, and we've also talked about here, you're utilizing and leveraging AI technology, as everybody seems to be doing in the last few months here, uh, albeit, uh, you know, WalterPix, well I mean, it's very core to your products. And, uh, you know, you guys were doing this well before the current, uh, I guess, wave started cresting. So... I'm just curious to kind of get your sense about what this proliferation of new AI technology means, and I guess specifically for Walter Picks, like what risks and opportunities does it create for yourselves?
0: Yeah, I, I do like to joke that that Walter Picks has been leveraging AI since before it was it was cool, uh, but we we really have been uh, we've been leveraging AI though through machine learning and neural network models, and the AI models that have generated all this hype recently are the LLMs or the language learning models, and these models are really designed to be really really good at generating a text-based response extremely fast. Whether or not that response is accurate, uh, that wasn't really the original intent of the models, they're getting better at that, and there's been a lot of stuff built on top of them to get better at that. Uh, but by far the most important thing, and I can't stress this enough, when it comes to AI and building an accurate and powerful and useful AI, AI model is the quality of the data that it's trained on. And this is really where we've been hyper-focused on, on and where we've excelled from the beginning of training it on our model on advanced player stats, uh, and available player prop and betting lines, and even some, some data we're getting from our users about their real fantasy leagues. Um, and this is where the AI companies will either fail or succeed is how good is the training set of data that they have to to train the models on, depending on what they're trying to do. And to go back to your, your question, I would say as a company that has had AI at its core from the beginning, new developments in these LLMs present really great opportunities for us than they do great risks because we're already well-positioned and well-trained to iterate, test, and implement some of these technologies like this to see what fantasy managers and sports bettors want and what they find valuable and then to iterate from there. Um, So I'm really excited about these developments. Um, I know our our company has been following it super closely and we'll be testing even as soon as this season some interesting applications of LLMs within our product. Um, So I I think it poses more opportunities than risks uh, in general, but at the end of the day, it's all about what who has the best quality of training data to actually train these models on?
1: Garbage, garbage in, garbage out, as they say, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Nice. Let's talk a little bit about the funding side of all of this as well. I mean, getting to 20,000, you know, paying recurring customers is, a, like I said, a big milestone, but getting to that point, obviously, you know, takes resources. So just wondering as a starting point, Sam, can you give folks listening a bit of a, a background around any funding to date and sort of how has that journey been for you up until this point?
0: Yeah, so we, we've raised just under a million uh, in funding to date. Um, that started with bootstrap funding for, for a pretty significant period of time, and then a little friends and family funding. And then finally, a little bit of funding from really a fantastic group of strategic angel investors. Uh, many of our angel investors that have invested have passed and even current experience founding and scaling successful startups. And that's been invaluable for me as a first time founder and CEO. Uh, the most notable investor would be Stephen Koffer, uh, who's the former founder and CEO of TripAdvisor. I've gained so much invaluable knowledge and information and insight from him. I talked to him very frequently. Uh, But our mission from the beginning was to get to cash flow positive as fast as possible. And we've achieved that uh, in under 1 million in fundraising. And one of the keys to our success was really building not just a a strategic team of angel investors, but a talented team of partners and members of the company with real equity and upside. So every full-time member of our team has a significant equity stake uh, in the company. And it's really hard to understate just how powerful and motivating that is. I think aligning a talented team with real equity upside is one of the few advantages startups have. And I'm proud to say, I think we've done that uh, pretty well from the beginning.
1: Awesome. And I guess as you look at the road ahead here and maybe some of the growth ambitions you have for Walter Picks, does additional capital sort of enter the conversation there? Sort of how you think about, I guess, you know, funding future growth for the company?
0: Yeah, it's definitely clear that the current fundraising environment is placing a premium on profitability, or at least a clear path to profitability, which bodes well for us. You know, this has been in our DNA from the start, and we are already cash flow positive. Uh, we have no immediate plans to fundraise, but I also would not rule it out uh, entirely. Our mon- mindset when it comes to fundraising has always been that we will fundraise if, if and when we see an opportunity where fundraising can drive further profitable growth. So it's possible we we raise again soon when we we identify that opportunity, but I also would say it is just as possible that we don't do much or any fundraising in in the foreseeable future.
1: Well, certainly being cash flow positive puts you in a position of having optionality if you so choose to raise. So uh, at least right. you're in a very good position that way. Um, which, as you have rightly pointed out, I mean I think a lot of founders right now aren't in that position, and uh, you know re- reality is rearing its head uh, for some of those that are be struggling a little bit more on the on the monetization side. So. We'll leave the fundraising there. I also do want to talk to you a little bit about team building. And you know, last week again when we had our prep call, you were uh, you were in uh, Colorado, and I think you were there meeting up with your team, having a bit of an offsite. And um, you know, I'm just sort of curious, I guess, through that lens, Sam. Like, how are you building culture within your team? And I understand your team is predominantly remote as well. So, particularly for a remote team, like, how do you build and maintain culture, and particularly, you know, sort of when you're on a trajectory like Walter Picks is.
0: Yeah, this is this is the stuff that really gets me uh, excited. We're up to six full-time members of the team now. We have another few part-time members of our product team. And then of course, the 32-person creator team that we already talked about. And we have been a fully remote company from day one. We were officially founded like just a few months before all the lockdowns happened, but we had always planned to be fully remote, uh, which definitely made that transition, you know, much more seamless than all the companies that went from in-person to remote. And now are going back to, to in-person for the most part. Um, but really, I think, What's really exciting about being a remote uh, first company and something that has been really great for our culture is we have a task-oriented work culture rather than a time-oriented or beating-oriented work culture. And this really moves a lot of the wasted time and politics that exists within many companies. It removes that. Uh, Rather than showing you're the hardest worker at the company by showing up earliest at the office and leaving the latest or by being in scheduling in the, the most meetings, we measure it by how much did you actually get done this week? What tasks? Did you complete and why are those tasks valuable? Uh, and what what tasks did you ultimately accomplish? Uh, and we really we do make it a priority to get in person at least once a quarter. You sometimes that ends up being once every two quarters, kind of depending on on the time of year. But mostly, mo- most of the goal of these in person uh, meetings is really just to have fun, uh, happy hour or playing games on Zoom. Like, will never be quite as fun as it is, and quite as good for team bonding as it is in person. And like you mentioned, we actually just got back. From an in-person product team trip in denver which was really a, a fun opportunity for a whole product team and i i was actually meeting a few members of our product team for the first time who i had worked with for for over a year uh, at this point i mean really the, the main goals of these these in-person meetings is to to have fun to bond as a team uh, we all know what tasks we're all accomplishing and completing and working on every week and it really is a significant advantage to the the remote work in terms of hiring talent. Uh, the six full-time members of our team live in five different states, and we get applicants from, for open positions from, from all over the world. Uh, we have people applying from Spain, we have people applying from all over the country, Canada, uh, and this really like, is a tremendous advantage in terms of finding the best talent to, to join the team. Um, and then the last thing I'll, I'll say about the remote work is like, to sort of summarize, there's just significant advantages in being efficient with our time it's really important you have a team that you can trust to be efficient with their time, but also systems in place to track what tasks are being worked on. And we can handle the vast majority of our communication asynchronously. So this has really helped our ability to scale the team without adding 100 meetings to managers plates while still giving them clear visibility into what is being worked on and at what pace and at what priorities. Um, so I think there's a lot of advantages to remote work if you have the team in place that can take advantage of those opportunities.
1: Yeah. Well said. You know, you also talked about how this uh, is sort of your first venture and your first time founder and surrounding yourself with people around you to give you insights and wisdom and some mentorship along the way here. And I guess if you look back on everything thus far, and you still got a lot of road ahead of you, of course, but at least to date, you know, what's maybe the biggest personal learning that you've taken on this journey of entrepreneurship for yourself?
0: Yeah, that's definitely a tough one. There's, there's so many, uh, I think that come to mind. I think generally like have a bias towards action. Uh, is it, always uh, something that I've learned from a lot of the advisors and mentors and investors that I have, uh, that a lot of the best founders are the ones that are acting the quickest and the most decisively. Um, I definitely think that's a, a good piece of advice. But I also think uh, kind of to to answer the question with what the question was a little bit, just surrounding yourself with the right people, people that have done this before. People. There are so many people out there that have founded and scaled successful startups. Even even people that have failed in founding and scaling successful startups can be great to learn from too. Um, and I think I, I look back and one of the best things that I have done from the start is surround myself with advisors, investors, and partners in the business that are way smarter than I am, have a lot more experience than I have, and that I can learn from and grow alongside with. Um, and I think that's probably my biggest piece of advice for any founder is choose your co-founders wisely, choose your investors, advisors, uh, and mentors wisely.
1: Awesome. Well, to bring this full circle i mentioned at the outset that uh the nfl season kicks off in 40 something days um so i guess looking ahead at the start of the new season sam um what do you and the team have planned i guess for the new nfl season and uh you know what does a successful nfl season look like at the end of the year when you look back for walter picks
0: yeah i'm so excited for the season i'm already i'm already always just as a fantasy manager myself and sports fan myself excited so Walter picks on top of it just really has me at, at like peak levels of excitement. But we've already launched so many exciting improvements to our app from last season, including a new improved draft tool, new and improved draft tool, uh, advanced player game logs and news, which we've never had in the app before. And we also have our new trade analyzer launching soon, which is going to go another level deep into personalized insights for our users based on their te- specific team strengths and weaknesses compared to the rest of their league. And there's so much more on top of that coming uh, as well on both the fantasy side and the betting side this season. And to, to get to the latter part of your question, uh, I'm very big on measurable uh, goals that are are difficult, but attainable. Um, so a successful season for us, it looks like uh, being in the top five in the sports app rankings, we were number six last year, but it gets very competitive uh, inside that top five for sure. Um, and then also two to three X growth in our user and subscriber uh, base. Those are our, That is what success would look like for Walter Picks this season.
1: Awesome. Well, that leads uh, us to my standard closing question. Sam, I'll quickly wrap it off to you here. If you weren't working on Walter Picks, if you weren't doing anything in fantasy sports or betting or technology, nor worked in any previous chapters of your career in a parallel universe, what would you be doing instead?
0: Yeah, I love this question. I think I would would be coaching soccer. Uh, I actually, I played soccer in college and really all, all through growing up. And I actually got a couple of my U.S. soccer coaching licenses when I was in college. And I think I would have had a lot of fun. And maybe there is a future future portion of my life even where I am coaching either a college soccer team or, or a club soccer team. I could definitely see myself having a lot of fun with that.
1: I was going to say, let's not rule that out for a future chapter here. Eh? Yeah. Awesome. For people listening that want to uh, reach out, get in touch with you and or check out the product themselves, where can you point them towards to do all that?
0: Yeah, so you can find uh you can find me at Samuel Factor on Twitter, and then you can find all the Walter Picks channels at Walter Picks on TikTok, on Instagram, at Picks dot insert team name for all of our sub team name channels, and then at Walter Picks app on Twitter as well. And then you can find the Walter Picks app on the iOS and Android app stores.
1: Awesome. I'll drop links in the show notes to all of those. But for now, Sam, really appreciate you joining us today. It's been great to learn more about what you and the team are up to. And congratulations on all the success you guys have had so far. And really looking forward to hearing how the upcoming NFL season goes and wishing you all the best. Appreciate it, Jesse. It was great talking to you as well.